Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, May the 27th and 2021 on When Our Eyes. We're currently in year B and this is Trinity Sunday, the first Sunday in this long season of the church year called Ordinary Time, right after the season of Easter and the day of Pentecost. And on Thursdays of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter text of the week. So we're going to be back in the book of Romans. We're actually taking a step back backwards than where we were last week. So Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 17. And like truth be told here, Romans 8 12 is one of my favorite verses. And this is like one of my favorite sections in this section of Romans. That sounds very ominous. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not very clear. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this party morning. I'll win our eyes. Let's let our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might share in his glory. This is the word of God for us. I think we all know that all gifts are not created equal. Sometimes people give us a gift and um, we are grateful for it. And then sometimes we're given a gift that uh, causes a response or maybe a reciprocation in the matter. Sometimes we feel good about that. Sometimes we don't feel so good about that. Sometimes gifts are given to us with strings attached, I guess is how we would uh, say it in our culture and time. Well, in Paul's time in the first century, gift giving did... Uh, elicit this reciprocation. So someone would give you a gift and they would expect a response. Oftentimes it wasn't like getting even Stephen. It was like uneven Stevens, if that's such a thing. But then, nevertheless, there was an expectation that you would respond in a kind manner towards those who give you a gift. I think that's what's going on in the background here of Romans chapter 8. I think sometimes um, when we hear the term obligation, we get a little nervous about that as Christians, particularly Protestant Christians who come out of the Protestant tradition and we want to put, you know, put behind us or beside or out of our uh, realm of possibilities, this earning of our favor and status with God. Uh, and so obligation, when we he read it here, uh, we kind of stunned. And so before this, Paul is juxtaposing flesh and spirit as two separate things. And now that we're Christians, we should leave the flesh behind and we should embrace the spirit. So when we get to Romans 8, 12, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. So what is true? We have an obligation. So what is it to? Paul says, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. So if it's not to the flesh, it is to the spirit. So if Paul were to like be asked the question, how would you, what, what thesis statement would you give for the Christian life? Paul would say that we have an obligation to the spirit. So that brings up a follow-up question. Well, how does that work? Well, here's the deal. It seems to be in Paul's teaching 
uh, about Christianity and the significance of Jesus' gospel is that God is somehow allowing two worlds to collide at the same time and to overlap. There is this present age that is deteriorating, that's plagued, and it is somehow harassed by this power of sin and death. But then in the middle of it, alongside of it, over the top of it, God has launched this new age, the age of resurrection, of forgiveness, of hope, of being reconciled to God for ages upon ages. Those two things are being like thrown together. And in a common life, if we're a Christian, we experience some of the pain of the world that's deteriorating. And sometimes we live into it. Unfortunately, we're still wrestling with that part of ourself. But then we're also experiencing this this life that's ages upon ages, this glorified life that we're going to live forever and ever with God when the new heavens and the earth, new earth finally arrive among us. Uh, some uh, theologians call this inaugurated eschatology, which means that God has launched his new world. Like it has come among us, started. It's springing into being all around us. And it's on its way here at the same time. And we will fully experience it at the very end of the age. And so as a Christian, we have this interesting varied experience. We experience kind of the shortcomings of this life now. We also experience the life that we're going to have totally in the ages to come. And so here's where the Spirit comes in. The Spirit, anything, anytime that we experience this new life that we're going to experience in full in the age to come, that is because the Spirit has enabled us for us to experience it. So the fruit of the Spirit, the character of those who belong to God, any time that we excel in love, joy, peace, patience, and all of it is because the Spirit's at work in our lives. If, if we ever get to use the gifts of the Spirit, it's because um, it is pointing towards a world that is arriving, and that's because the Spirit has empowered us to experience it. And so what we have is this interesting loan that we're been, we've been given by the Spirit about this new age. We don't have to wait for the new age to arrive totally. We can experience that life right now. And so that's a gift, right? We get to experience it ahead of time. So when Paul says we have an obligation, and it's to not to the flesh, but to the spirit, um, we now respond in gratitude and joy and giving our best efforts towards living more fully into the life of the Spirit because we've been given access to it ahead of time so that we can experience the bliss of being in a relationship with our God. And so ultimately, at the very heart of Christian discipleship, Paul is saying, I want you to have the guts and courage to live the new life in the new world now, even before it, it, it dawns totally upon us. So this is the way N.T. Wright tried to explain it once. He's like, imagine that you looked at the weather forecast and you know it's going to rain several days from now. But instead of putting off preparing for rain, like wearing rain clothes, like the boots, the coat, the umbrella, like you actually started wearing the clothes now. Like you started preparing for the rain today. Like you lived as if it's going to rain today and not just down the road. He's like, that is in a nutshell the very role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is to allow us to experience ahead of time that which we'll know fully in the age to come. And so there's a response that's elicited. This is a great gift. And we think to ourselves, wow, I'm overwhelmed by this, that I get to experience the fullness of that life now. How should I respond, right? It's like a like somebody gives you just a lavish birthday gift and you're like, you open it up and you're so overwhelmed. And that feeling you get like, I should do something in return. That's all Paul's saying here. We've been adopted and we're 
in sonship before God and we're co-heirs with Christ. Therefore, live and stack up your life behind everything, everything behind that now. Live like you're God's child today, not just how we'll be so in the days ahead. Well, that takes a ton of guts because there's going to be a thousand sirens and a thousand temptations and a thousand urgings and promptings not to live into that. And so as God's people, let's have guts to live into that today. And so if we're going to have guts to live into that today, we're going to need to pray for it before we take our next step. So let's spend some time praying along that theme this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we begin today with a word of gratitude. We are thankful that you have sought us, that you've brought us into your kingdom, that you've brought us into your family, that we have now fellowship with you and fellowship with one another, all those who call upon the name of the Lord. And we thank you for today that your breath fills our lungs, that you've given us a school to go to if it's still in session, Uh, you've given us a job to go to. You've given us a network of people to respond to when they send us a text message or they call us today. Um, You've given us meaningful work, uh, whether it's the tasks of work or if it's the things that we'll do for the sake of others. We thank you that our life is so full. It's full of opportunities to, to witness unto you and to witness, well, you moving in and through all things around us. And so God, this day, we thank you that uh, when we think about our life as a believer, we we, we embrace this idea of obligation because at the heart of it is you've given us so much and we are stirred to respond. Uh, so God, we don't uh, respond uh, with burden, like a burdensome response where we feel like we're just going to mess up because um, we don't know if we're quite mature yet for all the things you've asked us to do. Uh, we don't respond sheepishly uh, thinking that we've got this lavish gift and therefore um, we we're just so afraid that we're going to mess it up. But we, with uh, boldness, take our next faithful steps. And we ask that you'd allow us to live into this future reality that we're, we're adopted kids and therefore we can get about the family business. And so today, whether it's to you know, do works of justice or to meet the needs of others with mercy and compassion, or if it's the life of the mind or it's the life of the heart and our passions, God, I pray that all of it would stack up behind you and we would respond to such a great salvation with the most faithful life that we can imagine. So be with us. Give us the strength to do so as we, with courage, march out into your world and march out into your plans for our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.